Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Steeler Fury. Listening to the Steeler Fury Pittsburgh Steelers show. We're back for another football season. Uh, you know, we started our podcast season back during the draft time, but um, a little bit has happened since then. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Bradshaw to Ben, aka Will Massasak. You might know me as Accidental Zen on Twitter. If you do, I'm sorry for everything I said. And uh, with me uh, to, to kick it off again for the 2019 Pittsburgh Steelers football season, regular season, is, as always, uh, my two cohorts. Uh, one is the uh, ornery guy from in Pittsburgh, and uh, he's mad as hell, and I'm sure he's going to tell you about it. His name is Steel Perch. How are you, sir? I'm ready to kick this season off like a female soccer player. <laughs> You've been sitting on that for two weeks. Uh, also, uh, with, with as always, uh, been here since the beginning. Probably going to be here till the end. Uh, his name is FC. He's with us. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you, sir? Yeah, you're, are your uh, are your windows boarded up? I know you're in the path of the storm, man. Um, no, I'm about sixty miles from where we'll have any problems. I'm like right between Savannah and Charleston. Inland, so uh, you know there's a little concern, but not much around here. Um, people panic. Everything got bought out of stores and stuff, so I'm not too concerned. Yeah, well, as long as you got uh, a, a couple of beers and a bottle of water and a connection, a stable connection to watch your Steelers game, you're going to be all right. Right, I could head for the mountains, man. If worse comes worse, I still got people in Pennsylvania, so we'll hop in the old car and head to Pittsburgh. Gotcha, my friend. All right. Well, uh, Perch, I'll start with you. Uh, last time we talked was the, the, the Steelers draft. Uh, so we kind of had an inkling about what, what might happen here in the summertime. Um, but what do you want to start with? There's, there's, uh, there's the quarterback, the number two quarterback battle. There's the stuff that happened in training camp. There's uh, this guy, Antonio Brown. <laughs> Where do you want to begin? Well, just excited to say the Steelers are now uh, about three months cancer-free, so we can all uh, uh, <laughs> uh, revel in that. Yeah, yeah, past our checkup there. Um, uh, although it seems like uh, Le'Veon Bell still tweeting about the Steelers uh, having a good thing and letting it go, and Antonio Brown uh, said something on Instagram today about uh, 
Big Ben uh, mentions of him and, and all this other nonsense. But I think the backup quarterback thing was a non-story. I, I think the moment Mason Rudolph was drafted, that uh, he was going to be at least the second stringer uh, by, by year two. So I think that was uh, pretty pretty much well and done. Um, hell, I don't know what direction you want to take it from there. I mean, we can talk about the draft class, which I think is, is looking pretty promising so far. But uh, I don't know. You, you give us some direction, and we'll, we'll go with it from there. Okay, well, uh, FC, let's talk about the uh, you know the Steelers uh, let Marcus Gilbert go. They traded him away. Uh, we know we've seen a little bit of Matt, Matt Fido last year, but losing Mike Munchak, uh, you know, how did you like the look of the Steelers in training camp and preseason in terms of what you've uh, seen read? There's talent. I mean, um, I, I I think that the, they split O lineman for the last two years. I mean. Uh, Sure, it was ready to be an offensive line coach. I mean, um, you know, would I prefer to have Munchak? Sure. I mean, he's proven he's a great teacher. He's a great calming personality in in the locker room. Just the way he, you know, with all of his experience and being the great player that he was, and uh, he's a great teacher, a great communicator. I don't. I mean, we we obviously lose something, but we still have the t- same talented players. I mean, M- Mike Munchak wasn't. You know, going in there and making the blocks. He was, he was, he was coaching them up. He was teaching them. And uh, you know, time will tell. It, it's, it's. I like the, I like the Johnnies and Joes, and I imagine that you know the the, the run blocking and pass blocking schemes and techniques aren't going to change too much. You know, it's just hopefully the message can be sent. You know, to the players. Yeah, well, um, I mean, it's, to me, uh, it, it just feels like the it's still the strength of the team. Like, even though Munchak is gone, it might take a little while. Like, the story I like to tell is, you know, the, the Great Pyramid they built uh, was this amazing feat of engineering. And then the one after that was pretty good. And the one after that was not so good. And the one after that, like, collapsed. Um, so I think it takes, a, you know, a little while. Some of that knowledge sticks around. It's not immediately that it uh, that it goes. My only concern with the offensive line would be if we have an injury to Valnueva. I think that they can pretty much, you know, handle, you know, any other injury. But I don't I don't see a, a second left tackle in the roster that I'm fond of. Perch, did you did you, you have a, you want to weigh in on this? I I thought Banner actually Zach Banner was actually looked pretty good at the left tackle. I know he's you know right tackle by trade, but. Lost so much weight this offseason. It looked like he was moving pretty good at left tackle. Yeah, I'm, I want to echo FC on that. I, I think you've got a really good backup in B.J. Finney if you have a, a guard or a center go down. Uh, hopefully that doesn't happen. Zach Banner looks like a really good backup for, for right tackle. I, he, I was pretty impressed with him. Chuck Zakor for mm, and I, I think he's he could probably play right tackle in a pinch. I think he could do some, uh, some, some backup stuff, but I don't see any of those guys that really look comfortable at left tackle right now. So... I mean, you know, I think some people got their panties in a bunch a little bit over third and fourth quarter of preseason games and the offensive line looking like hell, but uh, talent on the field wasn't that great. You know, uh, I, I don't think that was a reflection on too much of uh, two, two months of coaching by the new offensive line coach. I think that was just you had some bums playing in, in late late game scenarios with without much game planning and just physically got beat. Um, I think that, that you know, that it's a very veteran offensive line group. I mean, how much coaching did those guys really need at this point? 
but yeah, I think the offensive line is still going to be, you know, I think they're rated <laughs> second or third best offensive line in all of football, probably the strength of the team still. No concerns there. Yeah, I actually, however, saw some uh, offensive line guru uh, for the draft network or one of those, you know, the uh, groups who was rating each player individually on the line and he put them in tiers. He had uh, Villanueva in like the tier close, like not the bottom tier, but the one just above that of like serviceable. Um, and he had Foster about the same spot. And then, you know, he had DeCastro in the second tier behind only uh, Quentin Nelson. But it's just funny, like looking at that, Matt Feather, he had, you know, pretty low near the bottom. And I'm just like, how is this line, the second or third best line of football, but the individual parts of it um, are not necessarily, um, you know, they're, 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 that's pretty hard to do. I mean, that to me is, that tells you there's some coaching involved. Yeah, it's about cohesion too. And I mean, you have a lot of smart guys on an offensive line, a lot of veteran guys who've been around in the league a long time and to play together a long time. So just things like stunts and the communication, they aren't making the mental mistakes that you might have a more physically talented offensive line on another team whose head's in the clouds that, that you know, might get beat a lot just because he, he doesn't, uh, you know, understand the nuances of the game or isn't well coached. It's a really veteran group, you know, aside from Matt Filer, who's, you know, looked pretty good last year. Uh, hey, FC, um, uh, go ahead. I will uh, just like to quote um, one of the great men in college football right now, Mike Gundy, when he said, Internet experts, Twitter, they suck. So <laughs> continue. Does that include us? No. <laughs> okay, just check. So, <laughs> we really don't claim to be experts. We don't take ourselves super seriously. We just know that we've watched the game of we watched this team probably between the three of us combined. We're probably hanging a hundred years. So between sure. the three of us, we're being honest. So yeah, I mean, I'm not. We're not going to say we're Steelers experts, but this isn't our first radio. <laughs> we, you know, it's kind of we know what we're going to get. You know, after you know with Coach Mike Tomlin, I, I'm not picking on him. I'm not saying anything negative. It's just. You know, picking his roster was not that difficult, especially this year. So, I don't unless this expert has studied the Steelers and watched every Steeler game as much as we have. I honestly think that we may know a little bit more about the Pittsburgh Steelers than any, any outside expert, and that's not me being boastful or gregarious or trying to blow our tires up or anything like that. It's just we cover one team, the Steelers. That's it. Yeah, that definitely helps. Um, <laughs> speaking of. Uh... Changes. I mean, I'll call it that. Um, the situation with the Steelers linebackers and secondary, in a way, feels so much better than it did even six months ago. The last time that we talked. Let's um, see. I'll start with you. I mean, I, you know, personally, I thought Bud did a pretty good job last year of what they asked him to do, Bud Dupree. But I feel like that his role, like what they're asking him to do this year, is different so far. That they just they basically said instead of, you know, having you do 15 different things, we're basically just going to send you on a mission, and that is to, like, just destroy this guy and get to the quarterback. And it looks like he had, you know, he has fewer responsibilities, and that seems to be paying off. Is it just me seeing that? And what do you think about the depth of the position there, especially with the edge? I think he's been, in the preseason especially, he was put in positions to succeed at doing what he does best. Um, he, he, he wants to rush the passer. He wants to attack the run. He wants to play off field. You know, the, the, that, and he's good at doing those things. But 
what made him a first round pick and why the Steelers still believe in him is he can play in reverse. He can drop. He can play in space. You know, he's actually decent in coverage. Um, same thing can be said for TJ Watt. An exceptional in coverage. He can drop in space. He can play in reverse. Not a lot of three, four outside linebackers can do that. Not a lot of teams have two outside linebackers that can do that. People, I mean, we, we had a poisonous rotten season last year, but statistically we were pretty decent and we just had horrible luck and bad refereeing and players run a fucking mock. Um, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I've seen the same thing during the preseason. During the regular season, do I expect Bud Dupree and TJ Watt to be playing in reverse, you know, as they were last year? Yeah, at times. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a talent that you have to take advantage of. Yeah, but I mean, I'll throw this to Perch. I think the thing, the difference is though that it seems like we have a couple of inside linebackers that can cover somebody, um, which was a you know, <laughs> a big reason that those edge guys were dropping so much is that they they had to. You know, in order to, especially to get to the flats, uh, Perch. What do you what do you make of the Tuzar Skipper experience and the situation uh, with the new new linebackers? Well, sticking true to form, I'm not going to answer your question. I'm just going to talk. Yeah, about of course not. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think Mark Barron and, and Devin Bush make a massive difference to this this defense of uh, the linebackers. Just so much speed, so much coverage ability, the closing speed that uh, some of the plays from Bush and I think Barron. You know, some people were a little bit down on him, I think, from the signing because you know, he wasn't a great coverage safety. But for for an inside linebacker, the guy, you know, he he can run and he can cover and he can close a lot of ground. And compared to the bums we've trotted out there the last couple of years since uh, the Shazier injury, those two are a huge upgrade. And Ulysses Gilbert, and that was the kind of player we were looking to get in the late rounds for the last few years just to be a depth guy behind Shazier. But they can never quite find him uh, if – you know, they hadn't drafted Devin Bush. You kind of wonder if he would be, you know, up there looking for some playing time. And I'll go back and talk about Bud Dupree real quick. Well, his bull rush looked pretty nasty this preseason. I know he's, uh, he, he was playing against some starters and some second string guys, but he just looked unstoppable. Um, yeah, he's always had that elite burst, but he couldn't quite get that thing to go horizontal. He can go, he can go like a shot out of a cannon straight backwards and he'd end up 15 yards behind the quarterback. Um, I, I think he's, he started to learn a little bit more of the bull rush and, and some counter moves. Um, you know, as far as Skipper goes, and Ola too, all the, the, the camp reports from Ola were just glowing about, you know, the and he showed some flashes of that last year, um, about his burst around the edge and, and his, his uh, pass rush ability. Um, Skipper, I mean, what a story that guy is. Uh, he, I think you got to take that with a grain of salt to some extent, where he was playing against total scrubs. In every game that he was in there, but we've had a lot of players before uh, that were drafted much higher, you know, first, second, third round guys, which drafted to play outside linebacker that never, ever, ever had a preseason like he just had, even against those backups. So, you know, if you're playing against bad players, you're and you're a good player, you're expected to dominate, and he did. So, you know, he he earned that off that roster spot, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, if he actually makes any any uh, you know playing time during the games this year or how he develops and you know with Dupree playing for the big money contract you know if he's ever in his career going to have a good year this is the one <laughs> so uh, sure. you know, if he does have that big year they're probably not going to be able to afford to keep him so it'll be interesting to see one how Dupree plays when the money's on the line and two if any of those backups get a chance to develop where the Steelers can say you know what bud take that big contract from somebody else we're just going to uh, next man up and, and fill the gap from there. Yeah, I mean, FC, I want to I want to talk a little bit about uh, you know looking down the road at, at Javon Hargrave and Bud Dupree and Sean Davis 
about what they might do. But I, Perch mentions uh, Mark Barron and Devin Bush. I got to say, I mean, particularly Barron, I, I can't remember seeing a linebacker in the Steelers uniform, an inside linebacker who was that good in coverage uh, in the preseason going back at least to, you know, MVP year, James Ferrier, 2004. I mean, I just, it makes a huge difference when guys aren't running free up the seam or aren't free to the flats uh, on pretty much every play. I, I mean, I just found like, I, I would suspect that that might be a gigantic step up in terms of what the defense can do in getting off the field. No doubt. I mean, um, he was very good at Alabama. Um, and he was, he played the star there. They may have considered him a safety, but it was a, a hybrid. So what do you find out? A linebacker safety hybrid. And he was just, he's menacing. That's what a lot of Steeler fans really haven't seen a ton of him from, from him yet. He brings a swagger to this defense too, because he annihilates people. And, I know that in this softer kind of NFL, it's still a physical game. And if Le'Veon Bell or Antonio Brown or Jarvis Landry saunter across the middle of the field, they're going to get fucked up if Mark Barron has the opportunity. Go look at his highlight films. Whenever, even when he was first in the league, he just annihilated people for the Rams. And I, I was... After we drafted Bush, I was curious. But I think that you're going to see less Vince Williams, obviously, in multi-receiver sets, three and four wide receiver sets. I do expect to see Barron and Bush on the field at the same time. Less Vince Williams. I don't think Mike Hilton's going to get as many snaps as he has over the last two years. I think the Steelers really, really have fallen in love with with Barron and Bush on the field at the same time. And for good reason. Um, you know, in a tight end centric league in a way with, you know, teams wanting to run the 14 to 16 yard routes, you know, Jarvis Landry catching the ball in front of Mike Hilton's one thing and, you know, get drugged down. Jarvis Landry catching the ball in front of Mark Barron and getting grilled four or five times a game. Jarvis Landry ain't going to want to keep on going across the middle and running that 16, 17 yard square. And he ain't going to want to attack between the hashes. And that's where teams have really given the Steelers props. Either, you know, down the middle of the seams or they threw the ball over Artie Burns' head. <laughs> that's been sure. our problem. Well, even, even uh, Ulysses Gilbert carried a wide receiver down the seam with like 20 yards. I was, I mean, it just feels like 400 career tackles in college. And they're not. No offense, Tyler Medikevich, but they weren't Tyler Medikevich tackles. They were, you know, 211 solos. I mean, he is – I loved – we all did. We all loved the draft pick. We all, we all were – but I didn't expect him to be on the come like this. If he's forced into the playing time somehow, some way this year, I'm comfortable with that. Yeah, I mean, Perch, I guess – you know, I'm happy with the the choices they made on the defensive side of the ball in terms of who they kept and where people are playing, and the fact that Mike Hilton got some safety snaps and looked good at it. In addition of Cameron Kelly, Stephen Nelson, like it's all good stuff. Like, but now my question starts to get to, you know, who who's inactive on game day? Like, I feel like they're now we're now in a position where I'm a little concerned that they don't have enough inactives. Is that a weird thing to be worried about? 
Um, yeah, not really. I, I mean, I think that's the reason they kept five receivers. You know, we all sat there looking like, well, hey, Eli Rogers was probably good enough to make make the team, but somebody's got to sit. And if Switzer is your your return man, they weren't going to keep Eli and deactivate Deontay Johnson. They weren't going to, you know, hinder his development a year just to get some, you know, mid-level uh, slot receiver, uh, his, his touches. So I think that made up some of the, the roster decisions. But like you said, it's a good problem to have. Uh, the gunners, I think, are probably going to come from the defensive backfield. They've got so many linebackers. I think the guys who are going to get hats are the guys who are playing linebackers. So uh, I, I, I think that uh, Matikiewicz may be getting a, a jersey over Ola or over Skipper. Uh, or even UG3 in, in some of the games. They're going to have to figure that out. Chicolo, as much as I don't think any of us are huge fans of Chicolo, he's been a core special teamer, so he's going to dress over some of those guys. So, you know, the game day inactives are going to – you can kind of look who's third string on the team. If they aren't a better special teams player than the second string guy, that's who's going to sit. But back to your point before, they do – I can't remember time where they had three or four defensive starters – uh, or significant defensive players going uh, in unrestricted free agency after the season. Uh, yeah. It's a little, a little unnerving. I mean, you also have uh, <laughs> Artie Burns. Uh, he's coming up. I, I think that uh, Mike Hilton is going to be a final year restricted free agent next year, so they'll have to figure out something with him then. Um, but, it, it, you know, they could potentially have a very good year on defense. I could see that. And somebody's going to want to overpay Sean Davis. Somebody's going to definitely overpay uh, Hargrave. Somebody's definitely going to want to overpay or possibly going to want to overpay Bud Dupree. Uh, you could possibly lose three starters. Uh, that's, that's not a good situation to be into. But you figure they'll find a way to at least keep one of them and maybe lose two. I would think Hargrave is the guy you want to keep out of that bunch, isn't he? I think he's the guy that's most likely to be gone because I think other t- like four three teams are going to view him as something better than a 3-4 nose tackle who plays 40% of the snaps, what he is now. I think Hargrave himself may want to go pin his ears back and, and, and go after the passer more and more of a 4-3 system. I think he probably thinks he could do that. I think some other talent evaluators around the league would think the same about him, where the Steelers say, hey, you know, you're a 3-4 nose tackle and we want you to be versatile enough to play, on, you know, uh, the end a little bit. Uh, but he's he, he's not used, I think, up to his capability here. And the Steelers obviously aren't going to overpay for a guy who's pay, playing 40% of the snaps. Hey, FC, I kind of feel like the Steelers are secretly, like they, they're accumulating guys to play a 4-3, like they're going to they're gonna show us that front a bit more. Not, not happening, is that what you said? I, I really don't think it's happening. The, the way they continue to draft and add players, I mean, Isaiah Bugs is pretty much a pure 3-4 player. I look at Gilbert, you know, as an ideal you know, inside linebacker in a 3-4. Uh, they drafted him. I understand they brought in Skipper. He was on a tryout, and he ended up making the team. But, you know, he has nice, uh, you know. Uh, it's hard to say because they haven't drafted a ton for the front seven, you know. But with DGC, TJ Watt at the defensive end, I think he's an ideal, you know, left outside linebacker in a 3-4. I really don't think they're making the move, man. 1983 in Calton. We've been 3-4, and I think they're happy. Yeah, but not to make a a full move to be a full-time 4-3, but to be able to show those looks and have the right players to have that in that front. That's what I mean. Maybe not necessarily like a a 4-3, but maybe more like a 4-6 
where you have all three interior coverage or I could see the Steelers maybe moving to those type of looks. Yeah. You know, especially, you know, with like a Devin Bush playing the Wilbur Marshall where you can pretty much use him to cover everybody. You know, sure. that that you know, flexibility, athleticism and speed were are the things that you're gonna talk about with this year's defense. I mean the athleticism back into it the potential athleticism that we can put on the field is going to be ridiculous. It can be argued that Joe Hayden might be our least athletic starter. And that's nothing <laughs> against Joe Hayden. Yeah, which is, that would hey, be kind if of If Devin Bush and, and Mark Barron are your starters inside, if, if, if Bush ends up pushing Williams out, I don't think that is a very big jump to say that. Yeah. Joe Hayden's also going to be our oldest defensive starter. I'm not, I mean, that yeah. sounds like a big thing to say. And I don't mean it that way. It says, I'm trying to say how, Athletic, we could be Cameron Hayward and Stefan Tewitt have special type of abilities when both are healthy. Javon Hargrave with that jumbo ass. I mean, we're talking about him going and playing three technique in a four three for a reason, you know. TJ Watts, uh, so yeah, Bud Dupree might be the most athletic guy on our fucking defense. I mean, do you have concerns? Uh, We'll let you answer because you're not going to answer my question anyway. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my question was going to be. Are we? Con- are any of the three of us concerned that the Steelers now are going to be very speedy and athletic on defense, and that the teams are going to try to counter by running it at them? Because that—that to me is the concern that I've had since they signed Barron. Nope. Uh, nope. That, that goes to what me I was either. trying to jump in. Here comes Tree. Yeah. Here's yeah. Not only that, but guys, you're, you're sleeping a little bit on, on my man Vince Williams. He's a, da- a way yeah. better player than I think he's being given credit for. That guy plays with a swagger. That guy plays with an attitude. I think what you're going to see is you're going to have one set of linebackers for the base 3-4, which is probably going to be Williams and, and Barron to start the season, unless Bush passes him up. I think you're going to have Nickel. You're going to see Bush and Barron together. And then Dime, you're probably going to see Bush. And I think that's how they're going to have the division to labor. And if they're playing a team that's going to be a sledgehammer and run the ball, you're going to get heavy doses. The Vince Williams may not come off the field in those games, you know, and they've got those three guys. They can keep them all fresh. They can rotate them in. I, I, I you know, I really think that uh, people have already written off Vince Williams. He's not coming up when they're in the three, four, I guarantee you week one to week 17, Vince Williams is on the field. Okay. But I here's, completely agree. But here's the thing, guys, if you're like, talk about the week one opponent for a second, and I know we're probably going to get a little bit more in depth, but the thing about oh. it is, they they'll put multiple running backs on the field, and they will formation you to where you have to have a linebacker cover that guy. So it's it's one thing for you to put in your defense that you think is your run stopping defense because the running back and the team is prepared to run it against you. But if that same guy has to cover running backs, I don't think I want. I mean, Vince Williams is a really good player, and I and he's decent as a cover guy. But that's the you know if you're Tom Brady, you're targeting that guy. What? 100 times out of 100, 99 times out of 100. If so, that's how they're going to beat you is by throwing five-yard passes to a running back against Vince Williams, I could think of a lot worse ways to lose the game. You know? That's more it, or less it, how it, we it, beat it, the Patriots. That does not necessarily mean that we have to come with our 3-4 personnel. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, they may, they may come out nickel. They may come nickel in. They play, yeah, he may play five snaps. Remember we drafted him for Vince, a Yeah, I think Bring Vince Williams. Mine's a linebacker. Take him away. Devin Bush is going to take him away. Yep, I think that Williams is going to get embarrassed. Rex Burkhead in that 4-7 is going to get embarrassed. (laughs) I'm not even a big fucking Devin Bush fan, but now that we (laughs) draft, that's my guy. 
You're all hot now. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, Perch, mm-hmm. go ahead. No, I, I think there's going to be games where both Bush and Williams will see the field maybe five, seven snaps on defense, just depending on the, the opponent. Like I said, this week, Mike Tomlin's not going to pick who plays. Belichick and Brady are. Whatever they come Completely out on agree. offense is going to dictate which one of those guys gets the divisional labor, period. So and it's going to be like that from week to week. Some people are going to watch the game and say, why the hell we spent all those, those draft capital on Devin Bush and he played five snaps this week? It was what the opponent did. Same things. Why do we give Vince Williams all that money and he played seven snaps today? It's going to be what the opponent did, you know, and it's it's just going to be as simple as that. But we this is the first time in how many years the Steelers are multiple at the inside linebacker position and can defend anything. It's exciting. I, I, I love it. No, I think it's great as well. I'm down with it. And the safety play seems to be improved by virtue of just more experience and adding, you know, even even one guy, Cameron Kelly, seems to definitely help. I went and I listened to our podcast. All three of us liked them at San Diego State. Yep. You know? Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. I was just like, wow. Because I went back and I listened because I remember us talking about them and all three of us liked them. I mean, that's that. Yeah, I got you. Well, this is good. Hey, listen, guys, let me let me now move on and let's talk a little bit about other things that have changed for the Steelers in terms of their division. Everybody wants to talk about the Browns. Um, I'm curious to see what you guys think. I'm, you know, I'm I, I'm sort of like a, I'm not super down on the Browns, but I guess I would say they still have a lot of question marks, including offensive line and the you know quarterback coming in the second year and the first year coach um perch what's your i'm and i'm you know i'm sure you're going to be dastardly but what's your take on the browns as well, a, it's a relation to the steelers well they have a lots of names man that's that's the thing you know they've got sheldon richardson now and, and olivier vernon and, and all these other guys that they picked up you know not even you mentioned the, the jarvis landry they got last year and obj who they have now and uh, you know, it just it seems like every week they were signing somebody big. But what was the big problem they had last year based on its trenches, offensive line, defensive line? Are they really protecting their quarterback a bunch? And can they stop the run? They were, what, 28th against the run last year, yep. um, which may not be a big deal if that offense scores the way people think it will and they can get some big leads. But if they don't, I think that's a team that can still be pushed around a bit in the trenches. I think you'll be able to run on that team. I think you're going to be able to get your, your guys home against them. Things that scare me, Miles Garrett and Vernon off the edge is pretty damn good. Uh, oh, how do you pronounce his name? Ogan Joby, uh, the inside linebacker, and Richardson, that's some pretty good pressure up the middle. And the back end of their defense is pretty solid. I mean, they got Morgan Burnett now, who's maybe not so solid, but Denzel Ward has uh, looked really good last year, and, and Demarius Randall's pretty solid. So that, they've got you know all the pieces on both sides of the ball where they it could come together. Uh, like you said, until they've actually proven it on the field uh, and everything gels, I've I got to see it before I believe it. I mean, FC, I'll throw you two things, and you can comment, make your own comments. I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of the coaching move. Um, I'm not sure that he was the guy that was really responsible for the success that they had last year. Mm-hmm. And I'm, he's, you know, I'm not sure about him as a head coach, um, especially this, this job of handling all the egos there, which is the Obviously, new thing. Uh, I said as a previous one. Um, I think that Greg Williams was good for three of their wins last year. I honestly believe that. Um, I think he's an elite defense coordinator. I would have loved to hire him in some type of position for the Steelers. He went on to be the Jets defense coordinator, and I actually think he's going to help turn around the Jets defense. Um, Cleveland Browns hired Steve Wilkes, 
who I would rank as a coach somewhere between fucking and terrible. Um, I thought he was horrible <laughs> in Carolina. Um, Arizona couldn't run his ass out quick, uh, fast enough. Um, I don't. Uh, Freddie Kitchens. I'm, I mean, he says the right thing, and he got that good old boy, oh gosh, golly gee thing, dad gummit going for him. But that ain't gonna last too long. Um, I my biggest issue with him is offensive line. You got Greg Robinson starting at left tackle. Um, really, I don't think he's gonna be able to stick there. Um, I really dislike. Every offensive lineman they have, including Chris Hubbard, who's not the same player to left the Steelers. Um, defensively, they did add Sheldon Richardson, who had some issues his last few stops with Pete Carroll and Mike Zimmer with the way he wanted to play the run. So you had another guy that, you know, Miles Garrett's a stud, Oliver Burning, whenever he's healthy, he can rush the passer, but Garrett will make plays against the run on the way to the quarterback. Vernon really, um, He's going to fight through that down block and the tight end too hard. Um, well, hey, let me hit you with this. I'm concerned about Baltimore Ravens I am the Cleveland Browns. Well, let me hit you with this. I mean, this you got a record team. holder in Odell Beckham, most drops in an NFL playoff game. I mean, whenever games in clutch moments, Odell Beckham, I think, is something like the seventh or eighth least clutch receiver in the NFL um, um, since 2014. You want to talk about some drop balls? Lima Sweet. Lima Sweet never seen the fucking day. Um, drop-offs compared to Odell Beckham Jr. It's the dirty little secret in the NFL. Um, so, yeah, I'm more concerned about the Baltimore Ravens, even without you know losing Terrell Suggs and losing C.J. Mosley. I just the, the Cleveland Browns are the Cleveland Browns. They'll find a way to win five or six games this year. That's that's the Cleveland Brown way. Yeah, I mean, I would say I expect a little bit of a setback for the quarterback. You know, it's going to take him at least a little while to adjust to how teams adjust to him having seen tape for an offseason. But more importantly, this thing with the the you know the trenches, the offensive line and defensive line situation, and the defensive front seven situation for Cleveland, I'm not sure that that is really settled yet to something that's a championship hey. caliber. But I'll tell you this: oh. I got a number. I got a number for you: seven hundred thirty-nine. <laughs> 739 is the number of yards that the Browns gave up to the Steelers and Ravens last year in four games. 739. Go ahead, FC. Greg Williams. But anyway, um, Nick <laughs> Chubb has had a series of knee, knee problems. And right now, I'll put it out there open. Don't cheat. Don't go on the internet. Anybody name another running back on the Cleveland Browns roster? That, that's your goal. Kareem yeah. Hunt, but he's suspended for what? For yeah, for game. eight games, so he can't play. You're right. Yeah, the rest I of them suck. You're right. Montrell Hilliard and uh, Dearness Johnson. And the only reason I know this is because I went and I looked it up about 25 minutes before the podcast. Dearness Johnson. Well, he's a Steelers killer, wasn't he? Somebody that, you know. No, that was Ernest Jackson, and he was a stud. Two hands on the football. <laughs> the <laughs> Ernest Johnson. Yeah, that's funny. Well, um, I was going to say, uh, you know, how, how do you guys, how do you feel like things are setting up in terms of the you know, outside the yeah. AFC or the, I mean, excuse me, the Baltimore Ravens is what I meant to say since we're on the division. It, it just, I'm not, you know, I'm not at all sold on what they're trying to do there, but I give them credit for really committing to doing it. 
Perch, what do you think about that situation? I got a couple opinions on them. One, I think it, they lost a lot of veteran players on the defense. However, they added Earl Thomas, which I think is huge. I think I think the world of the guy. I think he's an outstanding player. I think he will uh, communicate things with, you know, if Jimmy Smith stays healthy and Marlon Humphrey and they got Tony Jefferson, that's probably the best four starting defensive backs in a secondary anywhere in football. So that's going to erase a lot of issues. Uh, their front seven always, no matter who they plug in there, is always pretty stout. So that's going to be a tough defense. That offense, and, and I've said it before and I'll say it again, Lamar Jackson is only so many hits for this world and for this league. They're going to go and try and do this offense that nobody's ever seen before and run him a couple hundred times. Dude's going to get broken. This is the NFL. He's going to get broken. <laughs> he's not the most thick-framed guy in the world, and he's a quarterback. They need him to be precise and throw the ball. He can't take a pounding and a beating like a running back does. Um, but the first four, six weeks of the season when he's healthy, it's going to be a bitch to defend, especially if, he, if he's throwing the ball uh, as well as it looked like he was doing in preseason. But long-term, I just, I just don't think it's ever going to be a strategy to have a big-time running quarterback in the NFL. It's just my opinion, and we'll see if anybody ever proves me wrong. So far, I am undefeated. <laughs> uh, FC, what's your take on the Baltimore? I actually, me and me and Perch are lining up on a decent bit of stuff here. I kind of agree. If there's gonna be, a, I hate them, but the more I watch them in the preseason, Kyler Murray intrigues me for Arizona. But that's it. Interesting. I mean, it intrigues me, but the rest of their team is, I don't think, is there yet. No, it's not there yet. But Larry Fitzgerald, still Larry Fitzgerald. And Christian Kirk's a pretty decent little wide receiver. David Johnson's a, a whole year off that ACL. And I don't know. I just, the air raid in the NFL, it just, I wanted to see it. You want to talk about a quarterback that may end up getting killed? It might be Kyler Murray. You might have to have a poll Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray, which one gets killed first <laughs> due to their coach for completely different reasons. But I'm intrigued. The NFL got a lot of good storylines going on this year. Yeah, I just felt I just felt like uh, I, I, he was Kyler Murray performed better than I thought he would when they got it rolling a little bit in preseason, and you could see the you know you can see it potentially working with Kingsbury. Uh, but it's curious. I mean, I'm you know I'm sort of a skeptic about uh, most of the things that like, everybody thinks are true about the NFL teams. Um, but the other one, the other one that pops out to me is the situation in Green Bay where. Uh, you know, they tried to bring in a coach that was going to dictate to Aaron Rodgers and, and, you know, have a different kind of relationship with him, get him to, you know, get him to do what the team wanted him to do kind of thing like uh, Todd Haley. Uh, and that lasted about two months. And now yeah. Aaron Rodgers is back to like being in charge kind of. So I, I just, I look at that situation and I think that might end poorly. If anybody else has been following. I in the history of the NFL, the day they hired him. I was like, you're fucking nuts. Now I'm thinking, Aaron Rodgers may get this son of a bitch fired before game one. (laughs) Yeah, it's working out. Well, be curious to see. Gentlemen, that brings us to our illustrious pick segment brought to you by Ego's Bill Bonds, Dean Blandino, Um, Shannon Sharp, Skip Bayless, who I've given a player a nickname, uh, thanks to Skip Bayless, and Chico's Bill Bonds, if we didn't mention them, the long-time supporter <laughs> of the Big Six. We have a we have a new sponsor as well, Dick's Hot Nuts. Um, Dick's Hot Nuts. D- Dick's Hot Nuts, also. 
sponsoring the podcast. That sweet, salty cider that we all love. <laughs> salty smooth. Dick's hot nuts. Always a favorite. Um, hey, um, let's let's look around the league week one. I mean, the, you know, I, I, my great uh, thing that I've learned about the NFL is you don't really judge any team until week five. You know, it's like it takes a, a month's worth of games uh, before you really have a sense of like, the things that you thought you knew that you didn't really know and that, you know, the things that, uh, you know, where that you were right about, it just takes a little while to confirm everything. Um, so I, I'm going to start with, um, I'll start with UFC. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, the opener hundred years of the NFL green Bay in Chicago. It's green Bay going to Chicago. Uh, what's your thought about, the opening night game, that's Chicago's a three-point favorite at home versus Green Bay. The aforementioned fire about to happen. Right. They, the experts actually think this is a pick because the home team starts with a three-point advantage. Um, we're going to find out a lot about what Vic Fangio meant to this defense. Um, if I had to pick a team, and obviously I do, I would take um, – the Chicago Bears to win the game by three points, they'll put it a pick them, so I'll say they'll win by four. Um, I, Green Bay, beyond, they, they lost a lot on defense as well, and I just don't like the direction of the team. Yeah, uh, Perch? Yeah, I think I'm probably not as high on either of these teams as I hear a lot of experts are. I could see either of them really falling flat on their face. I could see Chicago going all the way back to five or six wins. Or I could see them in the NFC Championship game. They're just pretty unpredictable to me. But I'm, I'm going to stick with that defense is pretty good still. Uh, they're the home team. I think they win. Uh, I think Rodgers is still going to hold the ball too long. He's still going to take a beating in this game because he's going to face some good pass rushers. Uh, I'll take the Bears by four as well. Yeah, I'm. Uh, you know, it's Aaron Rodgers on the road. He's he's under 500, I think, or very close. He's right at yeah. 500 maybe. So I'm I'm correct. taking Chicago. Uh, to to I'm probably win by three, but uh, I'll take I'll pick the the Bears. Um, Minnesota uh, hosting at the Atlanta Falcons. The Minnesota is a four point favorite. I I'm picking this game because I can't for the life of me figure out why people like Minnesota so much. Like I feel like Atlanta had a little bit of a down year last year, but I feel like they at least have a talented team. Uh, and Minnesota, I don't I just don't get the I'm not sure where people come up with this. You know, the people are talking about them as a Super Bowl contender. I just didn't really understand. I like Atlanta to cover the four and to actually win outright. I mean, not to cover the four, rather, with not only with the four, but to win outright the game. Um, Perch, what do you, what's your take on Minnesota hosting Atlanta? Oh, I think uh, Atlanta's defense is still Swiss cheese. I just think that uh, uh, one thing you might be sleeping on with uh, the Vikings is they have Dalvin Pickback and his receivers. They, uh, Thalen and Diggs are really good. The offensive line's pretty solid, but Cook, I think, is a game changer and a difference maker. And they've got pretty solid, play. you know, Xavier Rhodes and, and uh, Harrison Smith in the in the secondary. That defense, the defensive line's pretty good. Uh, I, I think the Vikings win by a touchdown in that game. Interesting, FC. I think it's the game of the week as well. I can understand why you picked it. Um, I think it's one of the more difficult games to pick. Um, I agree. Very much so with Perch about uh, the Vikings wide receivers. Um, the Landers aren't too shabby either with Ridley and Julio Jones. Um, 
I don't trust either one of these quarterbacks. Um, I think that they're very similar. Um, Kirk Cousins and uh, Matt Ryan. Not a fan of either one. When push comes to shove, I think the two best defensive players in the group of it would be Linval Joseph and uh, Hunter. So I would take the Vikings as well. I will not be surprised if the Falcons win. I expect this to be like a 35-31 game. Um, Dalvin Cook might be the difference for the Vikings, a healthy Dalvin Cook. But it's a very good game. Yeah, first one thing I'd like to say about Atlanta's defense is they got Deion Jones back. I think that's a, that was a big factor in in their problems that they had last year. Like I think that guy's pretty good, and he's a difference maker for them. Um, so anyway, as, as I said, December, or actually no, that wasn't last December. That was two December's ago. And I was going to say the game was fourteen nine. I was going to say there goes my thirty five thirty one prediction. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, fourteen nine in uh, December of two thousand seventeen. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah. Uh, all right, and then uh, FC uh, at New York Jets and the Buffalo Bills. Uh, right now, that the Jets are hosting Buffalo, there are, Jets are a three-point favorite. Um, I'm thinking Buffalo is a better team, and I kind of like Buffalo getting the three points. Uh, what do you think about this game? Um, I really like Greg Williams. Um, I like a lot of. I'm not going to be one of the Steeler fans. I'm, I understand Le'Veon Bell. Ever. Average, barely four yards, a rush, and all that. Um, I really don't trust Allen, Buffalo's quarterback. I really don't trust Matt Castle. I mean, Matt Liner. I mean, whoever the fuck plays quarterback from USC for the Jets. Um, <laughs> Le'Veon Bell, I really like what Greg Williams brings. I'll take the Jets in a slobber knocker. I think it's going to be a very defensive game. It's a game is going to be like, I never said that. I don't know what you're talking about. Right. <laughs> sorry. That's I a different like a 59 game. It was, sorry. Was a joke, you know, psychology joke for you. Um, Perch, what's your, what's your take on the Jets and Bills? How do you expect to compete with Kelvin Beecham, Steve McClendon, and Le'Veon Bell on the same roster? Jets by a touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> the board on the Buffalo's and Heinz Ward is coach. I'm having a ginger attack. Come on. <laughs> Jets by 14. Well, the Bill, here's what I will say. The Bills defense might be the most underrated in the league. They're a top five defense. So I just feel like. I think Jets might be too, though. Yeah. They're good. to watch out for. I'm telling you, man. Okay. Well, we'll we're going to find out after four weeks. Sure. I'll let you know. <laughs> that brings us around to uh, this week's matchup. Before we uh, pick the matchup, let's talk a little bit about uh, the Steelers against the uh, Evil Empire as they play the Patriots on Sunday Night Football. Uh, let's talk a little about, like I said, this matchup. It's it's a little different looking this year. No Antonio Brown, no Gronkowski. Um, some changes for New England on the offensive line. Some changes for Pittsburgh and their defense. Um, anybody like to jump in and, and talk about the matchups? I mean, FC, that's your purview. I'll give you I'll give you the first shot. Here's the thing. Without Gronkowski and, you know, with, with the, 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 the Patriots, other receivers supposedly danged and, you know, Josh Gordon returning. I seen Josh Gordon returning, and I was like, wow, he's going to play tight end. He looks like he's 245 fucking pounds. I mean, he just looks massive. He, I just – I mean, he definitely doesn't look like the same player to play for the Cleveland Browns. So I have absolutely – 
no idea what to expect from New England offense. Defensively, I kind of sort of do. They're going to be multiple. They're going to attempt to trick Ben. They're going to force the Steelers to make as, as many plays to get into the red zone, and then they're going to compress the red zone just like they've done, just like he, Bill Belichick did whenever he was coaching for the Giants with Bill Parcells. He, he, he does the same things defensively. He's going to get his best 11 on. He's going to match up against the Steelers' skill position personnel with the best players he has available. He's going to attempt to trick that. The one thing that makes me feel kind of good going into this game, Jalen Samuels broke his foot off in New England's tushy last year. And I think the Steelers have outstanding mojo going to this game. I know we've been here many times before, but I, I really like our chances in this game. I just, I feel that this could be one of those seasons where everyone has low expectations for the Steelers. So they just say, screw it. And <laughs> let's just go out and win the big one. And it's, 2005, 2008, all over again. You know, both those teams were expected to be mediocre, barely making it in the playoffs, not win their division, sometimes pick third in the division. I seem get picked third, the Steelers get picked third in their division three separate times today. And I was just like, what? So, someone that I think is very knowledgeable on Twitter uh, picked the, you know, division winners and wild cards. He has the Steelers going 5 and 11 this year. And I was like, I. I you have you have uh, the worst thing you. I mean, Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger on the same team have never been worse than eight and eight. Ben's never been worse than eight and eight. His team, and that was both those years they had terrible defenses. So unless you think the defense is going to be absolutely like a shit show, I, I just can't even see them sniffing eight and eight. But you know that's me. Um, Perch, what what do you think? You know, Belichick's famous for taking away what you'd like to do. And I, I think that's a lot easier against teams that have one dominant uh, player or a couple of dominant players. Um, what do you think that the Patriots approach will be? Like, are they going to, they're going to double juju and keep an extra guy in the box for the run? Like what, what do you figure that they're going to do? I think that they are going to, like you said, double juju and take away the Steelers receivers. Cause there's no AB. I think they're going to say, Pittsburgh, if you're going to beat us, you're going to get the ball to your running back and your tight end uh, in the passing game. Uh, and I think that's what they're going to try and force us to do, force Ben to be precise and make a bunch of plays to get downfield. And, and then, you know, I guess he kind of alluded to uh, play against their red zone defense, which is always good. Um, so I, that's kind of what I think. Uh, what did Jalen Samuels have? 170-some yards last year. So maybe yeah. that uh, changes their strategy a little bit. Uh, because we'll have our, our full complement of backs. And, uh, you know, uh, but how many points did the Steelers score last year in a game? 20? So, you know, if you think that the Patriots offense is better, but I, I, if you're a Patriots fan, how are they giving the ball to? I mean, you got Dorsett, who's an okay receiver, Edelman, who's very effective, big fat ass Josh Gordon, who hardly played in preseason, Demarius Thomas with the ankle injury, who got cut and re signed to the team. Slater and freaking Gunnar Olszewski, <laughs> who even knows who the hell that guy even is. So, I mean, that, that's not guaranteed. Guaranteed Gunnar Olszewski is going to two touchdowns in about oh, He's going to run a kickback. You're, you're stealing my thunder. That was my prediction. They're, they're going to lose the game because some guy named Gunnar Olszewski runs back a kick at the end of the game. Um, but you know, their tight ends are wiped out. You know, for the Patriots to win, it's got to be 
defensive, low scoring. I just don't see – I mean, they could hardly score on the Steelers last year. I think they've lost some weapons. Um, it, who knows? I mean, it's it's the Patriots always find a magic way to win, but I'm, just, I'm not very uh, afraid of their offensive weapons, put it that way. Yeah. Um, I, I I was going to ask you, see how you think this, you know, on the opposite side, how the Steelers will, uh, excuse me, how New England will attack the Steelers defense. But before we get to that, I, uh, I, or, sorry, I, mean, I said that backwards, how the Steelers, uh, how the New England defense, hey, did I say it right? I don't know. Anyway, the other way flipped from what, <laughs> from what Perch was saying. Uh, but I was thinking that, you know, Jalen Samuels had such a big game against New England last year. They were talking about getting Samuels on the field at the same time as, as Connor, and they've been talking about, you know, getting, getting Samuels more touches. I wonder if the game plan this week is to basically, I don't know what, revolutionizing football, but taking it back to the future a little bit and having two back stuff going on where, where Samuels and, and Connor are on the field a lot together. We didn't see it in the preseason. I think maybe it was one snap or something. But I have a feeling that attacking New England – that gives them a lot of options to do stuff, and particularly if New England's goal is to take away Juju and the wide receivers. I think you get those two running backs on the field and force New England to, to either say they're going to you know, expect you to run and sit on it or they're going to let those running backs get catches, catch after catch after catch like they did last year. Um, do you think I'm in the right ballpark there, FC? I think that you're in the right ballpark on quite a few things. Um, I do believe that the Steelers are going to play Jalen Samuels and John Connor together quite a bit. I think it's going to happen more than a lot of people expect. Um, that's probably going to come at the expense of James Washington, unless he overtakes Moncrief. Um, I think that the Steelers, we, we talked about them being able to be multiple on defense. I think they're going to be able to be multiple on offense. And, you know, the more Ben came out and said that uh, he plans on spreading the production around, we're this far into a podcast, and we haven't talked about our 22-year-old elite wide receiver. <laughs> and that should just, you know, hint at, you know, over the last three or four years, I believe I stated, I don't think the Steelers have enough bullets. Um, I don't think they have enough players. I mean, we had really good players, but we didn't have enough players. I think we have enough players now. I mean, Jalen Samuels showed that, you know, he can be productive in this league. You know, James Conner showed he can be productive in this league. You know, Dante Moncrief got a lot to show, but it would be just the classic Pittsburgh way that Moncrief shows something. So... In regards to, I think the Steelers are going to be multiple offensively. I think it's going to be just like it was in 2005 and 2018 and 2009, where we might have gone 8-8, eight eight, but we had a lot of guys that were, for, some due to injuries, forced to participate, but we're going to have a lot of guys that are going to get touches. You know, I think that, you know, we Juju Smith-Schuster may get 100 balls this year. I won't be surprised if we have four or five guys that get 45 balls. Hey, do you, just to follow up, do you still think the Steelers are going to run it significantly more or pass it uh, significantly less? I think less they are going to run more than they passed last year, and I do not think Ben Roethlisberger is going to throw for 5,000 yards this year. No, I don't think we'll have 580 pass attempts. No, I do not. 
I think, like I said, I think that probably will be knocked down by a hundred. Now that doesn't mean we're going to have more rush attempts. It means that I think the Steelers, you know, defense may be on the field a little bit more because of the offense being efficient and teams. I, I think the Steelers could hit some big plays even without, you know, Antonio Brown and without, you know, Le'Veon Bell. I think that, you know, maybe Juju Smith-Schuster, maybe it'll be Spencer, or maybe it's going to be Moncrief, or, you know, maybe it's going to be James Washington. But I think that run game is going to set up play action, and then play action is going to set up vertical passing. I mean, so so um, many of those pass attempts, though, were to running backs. You know, it's sort of, if you have, if you have Connor and Sam... And a lot of them were bubbles and smokes to Antonio Brown, so the motherfucker got his touches, so he didn't wasn't caustic and blowing up the locker room. <laughs> yeah. Sitting out there and throwing the smoke or the hitch route, you know, I think that it might be James Conner or Jalen Samuels with a five or six yard rush. You get yeah. the clock moving and you set a tone to the game. You let this offensive lineman start to hunt. You let them start playing on their toes instead of their heels. That's a good thing, man. I think you're going to see some inside handoffs to Jalen Samuels. That to me is the. I disagree. Secret. I secret think you're going to see a lot of James Conner down people's throats too. Yeah. Um, I think you're going to see Craig Johnson as our third tight end from time to time, talking yeah. about a guy to get a half. Well, uh, perched to the to the end of the tight ends, do you think? I mean, I'm I'm kind of of the opinion that Samuels gets more snaps and he gets them at the expense of the tight ends. Rather, and so in other words, since they don't really have solid, you know, three tight end situation, I get the feeling they're gonna use Samuels a little bit to take some of those snaps. What do you think about that? Yeah, I don't think they'll line him up as as a tight end. But I think no, no, but right. I mean on the field yeah. instead. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I agree. I think that you'll see some, you know, two back sets. I think you'll see some four wide receiver sets. I think you'll see when Jalen Samuels is in the game, him be in motion out of the backfield to get mismatches. Which mm-hmm. I remember right. They did that, the game-winning play last year against New England. They It was a big third down. They motioned him out of the backfield. I think he had a little chip block, and then uh, – uh, ben hit hit him for a big first down. They ended up kicking the field goal and then holding on to the end of the game to win that game. So I think you'll see those sort of things. I just, you know, feel a little bit nervous. I mean, losing Antonio Brown, the player he was on the field, is huge. you can't overestimate what a big loss that is to the offense. And I like Moncrief. No. I think if, if they still had Brown and brought Moncrief in, I thought Moncrief would have been the, the most perfect third receiver to be a, a deep threat guy with Juju kind of uh, in the slot. Uh, James Washington still scares me. Deontay Johnson's still green. Those two guys are going to have to play big parts in this offense, and neither of them ever done a damn thing in an NFL game in a regular season game yet. So Washington, I think he could do it. I think it's it's his confidence and having his head in the game is going to be big. I wish he would have got some more reps with Ben in the preseason. You know, ben only played <laughs> a couple series, but, um, you know, uh, Still a little bit. My my biggest concern with the team this year, which is kind of hard to say, has uh, probably been the strength of the team in the past is the wide receiver group. Not that they can't do really well; they may be great. Just you have Moncrief, somewhat of a question mark. He's always been hot and cold, and, and never really caught and been a, a a real core starter for any team. James uh-huh. Washington, when the lights shined bright last year, he melted. Deontay Johnson's a rookie from a small school. I mean, those those three guys got to play big this year. They got to. Or Juju's going to be freaking double and triple team and hammered all season. And, and where's where's the offense going to go? So I, those those guys got to step up. I'm sure at least one of them will. But until I see it, I'm going to be nervous about it. Well, although not every said, year you lose the best player at his position. You know what I mean? So 
Except for two years in a row. <laughs> um, Maybe, so, Patrick, um, he's the best wide receiver in uh, the history of the league, so, including Jerry Rice. So. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, you guys, obviously his production is not going to be replaced by, by some player. But I'll say this, Perch, you know, uh, although I don't disagree with you that the wide receiver group is a big question mark, I feel like they cut three guys uh, from the bottom of the roster this year that would have made the team in several of the last, say, five or six years. Like there were guys – I think the three guys they cut were better than Eli Rogers. I mean, I'm talking about uh, – I mean, I, I let's put it this way. Even Eli Rogers was a guy that would ordinarily make this team. So let's even say the last four guys that they cut can all play. So I feel like they had they didn't have the big they didn't have the Tennessee Brown at the top to really make the group cherry, but they they had some quality depth guys who if if one of them stepped in, I mean, I, I just feel like if you bring Holton in and he's your kick returner and you you put him in the role that Darius Hayward Bay has, he's going to make a couple of plays. Yeah. That's what I think. Go ahead. Well, I, I tell you what, one thing that makes me a little bit nervous. I hope that them cutting Deontay Spencer doesn't come back and, and make them look bad. Because yeah. he's a pretty dynamic return. Now, I, I don't think he's, he's so much of anything as a receiver. But he can freaking return a ball better than anybody they have on the team. Um, I, they, obviously, they have a, a lot of faith in Switzer of, of his return ability, his ball security, and, and what he brings as, as a slot receiver. Um, but, you know, I kind of looked at that and said, you know what, wouldn't they be better off giving those touches to – uh, the other Deontay and, and having a, a superior return man on the team. So there was a lot of different ways they could have sliced that apple, but uh, they probably came out, I think, with the best group that they have. And being able to get Holton back on the practice squad, they, you know, they've got a sixth receiver uh, waiting in the wings. Yeah, I mean, like I, you know, I I understand what they did. I was not in favor of it because I, I personally would have kept, like, exactly as you said, give more touches on offense to Deontay Johnson and give the you know give a big boost to the return game. It looked like a completely different return game. I thought with him in a game, um, and some of those some of the new young guys, fresh blood in there. But I will say that Deontay Spencer was he was a really good receiver in college. He was a really good receiver in the CFL. Yeah, he didn't. I mean, other than in tra- in practice, in practice he was one of the best receivers they had this year. But yeah, you're right. In the in the preseason games, he didn't show that much as a receiver, but. Like for him being the extra, extra guy, like the, you know, the guy who comes in for like maybe two or three touches on, you know, 10 snaps a game. I think you, I think you could have done something dynamic. It's a completely different animal, what they're asking Switzer to do on offense. So I get it. Uh, But anyway, FC, you were going to say. I just said Josh Dobbs. (laughs) You know, it's kind of hard to look great with Josh Dobbs or the ball. I mean, I'm not. Taking anything away from Josh Dobbs, I mean, he he can lead the offense just not in a traditional type of way. He leads the offense in a Lamar Jackson type of way, where he's yeah. a dangerous runner. And, I mean, we can denigrate the CFL. It's just, you know, it's like a glorified. I'm not denigrating the CFL. I, am, I was a big fan of Deontay Spencer. Still am. I spent, you know, three, two, in three years, he averaged about uh, 85 catches a year for over 1,000 yards a year and over six touchdowns a, a year. That's on just on offense. So, like I said, that that guy, I think Denver's a really good opportunity for him. So we're going to find out the answer to this question, Perch, of whether they whether they made a mistake. Because in in Denver, he's going to you know start week one as their as their punt returner, and they were talking about you know working him into the offense. So I have a feeling they're the cupboard's pretty bare in Denver on offense. 
So he'll get he'll probably get a shot. Uh, at any rate, gents, um, anything else to add about uh, this matchup perch before we pick him? No, I'm good. Uh, oh, I got one one last question before we go pick the game, and that is, uh, who lasts longer with their current team in the NFL? Ready? Ben Roethlisberger, Le'Veon Bell, or Antonio Brown? I'm going to say Ben. Yeah. I think Ben's got four years. I think AB has got one. And I think they're going to, Max can get sick of his shit and realize the Steelers were probably right. You should never thought, uh, gone against the grain against them. Uh, Bell, when does his escalators kick in? Uh, probably Bell's probably there two to three years. So I think Ben, Ben stays four, uh, Bell three, and Brown one, maybe two tops. FC, you want to weigh in? Um, <laughs> I thought so. Problem with AB is you, he's already shown signs of being toxic. And David, skip it to me. Carr hasn't even taken a regular season snap with him yet. Um, they haven't even taken a preseason snap together, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, I don't know. Did Antonio Brown? I think he had. I'm not sure he had a practice in pads. So. Fair point. And his feet are burning. Um, well, no, his feet are as cold as ice, my friend. How about this? This would be a little bit disagreeable. I'll go with Le'Veon Bell, Ben Roethlisberger, AB. I understand that that coach already wants to cut Le'Veon Bell. He wanted to cut him like two weeks, two months ago, but uh, <laughs> I wouldn't have signed him. Yeah, I guess we're going to find out. He hasn't played. He hasn't been on a football field for a year, more than a year and a half. So that feels like. That feels a long time to, to expect that he's just going to pop right in and be up to speed. Well, he's, saying, yeah, he, he's very cuttable too after a couple of years. And who's going to want to be paying that big money to a 29, 30 year old back that uh, he may just give it up. I, I don't think he, he's a guy that really loves the game that much. I think he wants his rap career and he wants his money and he wants his fame. I don't think that, you know, I think football is just secondary to the guy. He's just got to, like you said, the coach wants to cut him. The coach doesn't believe in paying big money to a running back. So what happens if they have a losing record this year and Bell starts acting up or if Bell averages less than four yards a carry, he's going to be gone. Well, he better go to trade school and become an electrician because there ain't no goddamn way he's ever going to be a rapper. He's <laughs> Tune in, by the way, to FC's new podcast, Who's a Rapper? That's going to be uh, on this same network. Uh, right. I've never heard I've never heard FC sing. I guarantee he could put together a better rap song than than uh, Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> That's the challenge we very may have. Fan of Curtis Blow and Houdini back in the day. Yeah. Houdini. Oh yeah. FC's got more depth and layers to him than just football. Like in, Le'Veon Bell's raps are all about football. I think FC's got more things to rap about, like like. Like weed and pasta and shit like that. <laughs> we playing basketball. Curtis Blow. Wow. Yeah. Love Curtis Blow. Special Ed. Remember Special Ed? Oh, Special Ed. It's a real rapper. Look <laughs> All right. Well, there's a five-star matchup this week that doesn't involve rapping, thank God. Uh, and it is your Pittsburgh Steelers opening up their 2019 season against their nemesis, the New England Patriots, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, Old man Kraft, who somehow still managed to stay in the NFL and not get suspended. Not really sure how that happened. Uh, and uh, all the, you know, bag of tricks that goes with uh, playing 
in New England. Um, FC, I'm going to go with yeah. you first. What do you, what do you think happens in this week's game? Pretty much um, everybody that knows me that's that I'm not a Steeler fan basically says that um, I identify as a fucking idiot because I'm once again bit the Pittsburgh Steelers to beat the New England Patriots in opening season game. And I have not had much success in the past with this, but for some reason I have really bought into the Steelers team. Um, I think that you're going to get a whole different type of just direction from the 48 men to get hacked. I think they're going to play for Coach Mike Tomlin. Um, I, he's not a lame duck coach, and people failed to – but it's being presented that uh, the Steelers are making him prove his worth and his value because he only signed a one-year extension despite having an option year, and basically he's got a, a deal for three years. So I'm going to think the Pittsburgh Steelers will win this game 27-21. It will not be as close. I think that uh, New England might put up a garbage touchdown to, to cut it from 27-14 to 27-21. And the Steelers will feel the odd size kick and take the magical knee. Hirsch, what's your take? Well, my first take is uh, whoever comes in last place out of us uh, on the Steelers score game this year should have to wrap on the last podcast of the year. Uh, I'll do it. <laughs> I, I think that's a, a good gentleman. Both, all three of us uh, are not going to lose, so I'll do it. There you go. It's even better than the uh, the old Avatar bet, but uh, we'll, we'll throw that out there. Secondly, I am still contractually obligated since these bastards won another fucking Super Bowl. I can't yeah. bet against them. I, I think that the Steelers uh, gave me a little bit extra hope in the preseason. The defense looks really fast. It's really athletic. They've got all the pieces they need on the defense. My concern now is just the offense. Will they be able to score enough points? Is it going to take them too long to figure out what clicks? I think by halfway through the season, the offense will start clicking a lot better. A little bit worried about the first half, though. Um, I think the Steelers go out and uh, play a very good game, a very close game. I think they take a lead uh, in the fourth quarter, 20-17, to 17, and the aforementioned Gunnar Olszewski gets a kickoff and runs it back for a touchdown to break our hearts again. I got Pat 24 Steelers 20. Gunnar Olszewski. We have another name to add to the podcast. Oh, my God. When he's playing in the XFL next year, every time he does, he has a highlight, you're going to have to uh, tweet at Perch. I agree with the um, concerns that you have, Perch, um, but I, I got a couple things to say here. One is, you know, everyone apparently seems to think that I can see no wrong in Mike Tomlin, and, I mean, I, I feel like there's plenty of things we've criticized on this show. I mean, from the very – time that he was here i and i have you know there's just there's stuff that i have to respect about his game it's like i cannot like every one of his decisions and i can actually be against some of his strategy and still think the guy's a really good football coach i think those things are not mutually exclusive um i thought that the coaching job that he did in 2010 when they didn't have ben at the start of the season was uh outstanding given what he had to work with and he got the defense back on track after a year where it had been had, had down year and so on and so forth. But here's what I think: so far, uh, since the since the start of minicamp to now, I think this is the best coaching job in the history of Mike Tomlin, and I think that we're we should be appreciating it. I would say we should be appreciating it almost no matter what happens in New England. But I I find it incredibly hard to believe that this team is not going to be. 
uh, very up for this game. It's a Sunday night game, which un- under this coach has traditionally been some of their best performances. It's not always on the road. I mean, at home, they're a dead lock on Sunday night. But on the road, still pretty good. Um, the New England Patriots, the last two times the Steelers have played them, it's not like the Steelers blew them out or anything, but they went toe-to-toe with them and arguably outplayed them uh, the last two games uh, without necessarily all of the tools in the toolbox. There was no Antonio Brown you know, for that, for that last game. Uh, basically, he got hurt early in the game. Uh, I think this defense is a lot better than the last time they faced New England, and I'm not sure New England's offense is as good as it was then, although they still you know, have Brady and so on and so forth. I, however, think this game comes down to one crucial thing. This, if ever there was a statement game for Ben, this is the statement game for Ben because he has had an incredible shitstorm the last six months, eight months, um, since the stuff went down with Antonio Brown in week 17 last year. He took the brunt of the Antonio Brown thing. And I think for the most part, um, he took the high road about all of that and didn't really, he never really came out and said, you know, he pissed me off and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm angry with him. Instead, he, he at least publicly took responsibility for it. But I think secretly, you know, he's, this is his opportunity to say, you know, you were great and I like playing with you and I'm glad that, you know, we had our time together, but I, I'm a pretty good quarterback and this is my team and we're going to win uh, without you. The last time I felt like this, I talked about it on the podcast. You can go back and review. It was before the Colts game against Andrew Luck, where, the week before that, I think the Steelers had gotten sort of had an embarrassing loss, and I just thought, you know, this is Ben's 150th start. He has a chance to join an extremely rarefied group. I think there's only Terry Bradshaw, Joe Montana, and Tom Brady who won 100 games in their first 150 starts, and Ben was going into his 150th start with 99 wins, and I was like, it's playing Andrew Luck. It's people are talking about how he's done, so on and so forth, and I just feel like this is one of those games where Ben is just going to be uh, at the top, of, literally at the top of his game. When he's at the top of his game, nobody is beating this team. I like the Steelers 31-23. I, I think it'll take a little while for their offense and defense to really get it up to speed this year. But if what they did, what they showed when they showed the let us peek at their hand in the Kansas City game is any indication, uh, I think they might secretly be the best team in football. And we're going to find out on Sunday night because, you know, you can never discount New England uh, being good or winning a game. Uh, that's my take. Sorry for the long rant, guys, but uh, I just wanted to get that off my chest. Part of the reason that, uh, you know, been a little bit quiet on the board. So I had a chance to talk about Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger, two guys that I believe in. Uh, last word, I'll go to you, Perch. Oh, I'll, I'll sum up a couple of uh, sports-related topics that we didn't get to touch on. First of all, I'll go back to Carly Lloyd. If she was such a goddamn good kicker of a ball, why did she never play men's soccer? Uh, how, I'll give a throw question out to you guys. What's the average size of a, a kicker in the NFL? Random I, any idea? Six foot, 195. Six foot, 202 pounds. Okay. You're telling me a five foot seven, 140 pound female who's 38 years old had a chance to kick in the league because she made one field goal from 50 yards with no offensive line, no defensive line, and took five steps. Get the hell out of here with that shit. So that's my first one. Second one, Andrew Luck. What the fuck? <laughs> I'm sorry. The guy said he – I understand the injuries, right? Everybody has that. 
But the guy quit over an ankle injury and not being mentally tough or mentally focused enough uh, to come back from that. To me, you know what? If, if he was in that bad of shape, go on IR, sit out half the season, battle back and come back. And if you want to retire, do it after the season. I just, I think that, that he took the coward's way out. And I don't care what anybody else says. The guy quit on his team. Uh, it, 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 it rubbed me the wrong way. And I, a lot of people will jump down your throat for saying that out loud. But that's how I feel about it. So I'll throw those two out there, uh, let you guys stew on those. Yeah, Mr. Po- you'll be Mr. Popularity for those two takes, I'm sure. FC, final thought. Um, I really believe in this Steeler team. And unbelievably, I think they're going to make us all proud. Um, every time this team's counted out, they turn around and do something great. And remember, it's the Antoine Randwells and the Cedric Wilsons and the Kimo Vaughn Olhoffens that help win championships. And I think the Steelers are going to have a lot of players like that. On a quick side note, um, I remember three years ago, right around this time doing a podcast and um, a little high school football team I helped coach with, we got beat 72 to six hmm. and kept Spurson and they destroyed us. We had 21 kids out for the football team. Three years later, those sophomore, freshmen and sophomores that got drilled, beat that same team 34 to three. Their coach wouldn't shake hands with the head coach from the team that, um, and said that we brought in ringers and that we cheated. We had 48 kids, but for the last year and a half, they've heard and they were reminded about that 72-point shellacking that they took. And uh, I think the Steelers are going to be very similar this year where they're being disrespected and counted out and everybody laughing at them. And I think you may see the Ben and Mike Tomlin, you know, war tour where they – they really uh, they have their shit together, and they take care of business this year. I don't know. My, my thought is similar. I just feel like you – if you've ever played team sports, when you have a guy on your team who's your best player or a great player, but he's just an asshole, it's like it's, you <laughs> can't win with that. You, can't, you might win once in a while with that. You might get some great results and so on and so forth, but it's like you literally have guys on every play who are, like, talking to each other during the play, like, oh, my God, like – Shut up. Like, I, you know, what is he doing? He's, that's not the route he's supposed to run. Like, you know, and you just you, – you cannot win in team sports with a guy who's not on the same page. You, and in football, particularly at the NFL level, I think you've got to have 22 guys, 53 guys, 61 guys – or 64 guys who are on the same page. You, you just can't play that game with guys who's more worried about their contract or their stats. And we've seen it for – the last few years, it's like Steelers were a really good stats team. Um, they even won some really great games where they their talent out-talented the other team. Uh, but I think this is this is year is a perfect litmus test for team versus stars. Um, and I, I, you know, granted they have a you know Hall of Fame quarterback and some real good talent, um, oh. but I just feel like you, the value of having this team is going to be apparent. It's going to be apparent when things are good. It's going to be apparent when things are bad. Um, I like this team's chances a lot. Gentlemen, I like uh, your chances of appearing on next week's podcast. Um, don't forget to tune in for uh, FC's talk. <laughs> Who's a rapper? That's R-A-P-P-A, right, on iTunes? Pretty sure. Correct. <laughs> Excellent. Stay safe from the storm. Hey, if uh, you got a chance to donate uh, some some supplies or some money to help people uh, in the Bahamas, my old stomping grounds, I lived in the Bahamas for a short time, Freeport, um, the highest point on the whole Grand Bahama Island is 29 feet above sea level, and they had storm surge of 20 feet. 
Um, you can imagine what that did to the place. And um, there's just some real good people there in the Bahamas. So if you get a chance to help somebody, you'll probably feel good about it and uh, you'll be doing a solid for the world. Gentlemen, thank you very much for the show. Uh, listeners and callers, thanks a lot. And we'll see you next week after a gigantic Steelers victory. Go get them. you. I like the way they dribble up and down the court Just like I'm the king on the microphone So it's Dr. J and Moses Malone I like slam dunks and taking it to the hoop My favorite play is the alley Ooh, I like the pick and roll I like the give and go Cause it's basketball or Mr. Kirch's Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.